discipleship, dating, and friendship part two. So who remembers part one that I did um, last term? Yeah, some people can kind of remember it. Um, So I did invent again another little game, which is again called Famous Friends Part 2. So on the screen, Larissa, the legend, is going to put up um, some... A picture of one person, and then we're going to guess. Oh, yes, it's coming. Get it, Darcy. Get it, Darcy. Woohoo! Wonderful. Okay. Wonderful. Awesome. That's great. Thank you guys so, so much. So good. Okay. Does anyone know who the other half of Luigi is? Who is it, Larissa? Mario, woohoo. Okay, the next one, who is it gonna be? Oh, Lionel McQueen and, woohoo, you got it. Okay, our next one, let's go through these super fast. Yep, cha-ching, you got it again. (laughs) Okay, but they're, okay, they're cute. Patrick, who is that? Yay. All right. Who's next? Does anyone know who? Okay, you got it. Good job. Oh, look how cute he is. All right. I think there's one more. Is there one more? I think this might be our last one. Who is it? Oh, Dory. Oh, this is the last one, I think. Who is it? Who is it? Yay. Now, I think, is that our last one? No, no. Yes, no, maybe. I think it is. I'm pretty sure it is. Awesome. So, they're all friends, right? I know it's a bit controversial with Piglet and... Winnie the Pooh, I know it's a bit of controversy, but that's okay. Nonetheless, I'm sure they still got along in that TV show or book, whatever it really was. Anyway, so yeah, that's that's a little fun little game that we just did. Famous Friends Part 2. I don't think there's going to be a part three. So it'll, that's, that's the end of my series. Anyways, um, yeah, as I said before, my, the title of my message, if you're taking notes tonight, is Discipleship, Dating and Friendship Part 2. So... Write that down if you're taking notes. Um, Wonderful. And so we're just going to pray before we get into um, the word tonight. And I just want to encourage you, let's let's not allow distractions to be to be here tonight. Let's just say, God, I'm here for you, God. I want you to move in my heart. I want you to move in my life. So I want to encourage you to bow your heads and be distraction-free as much as possible. So we're going to pray. Uh, Lord, I just thank you for being in this room tonight, Lord. I thank you for um, your presence, Lord. I pray for your Holy Spirit, God. I pray that your Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. And God, I pray that we can be vessels and our hearts can be opened enough to hear what you've got to speak to us tonight, Lord. So I even just pray over the word, God. I thank you that it's alive and living and God, I just believe that tonight is going to be a night that we can remember, Lord, that we can remember that tonight you spoke to us for the first time, maybe, or for the hundredth time, God, but we know it's real. We know your voice, Lord. So I just pray, God, that we can hear your voice clearly tonight, Lord. And we just thank you for being here um, in this room with us. So I, I, I thank you for all the good things you're doing in and through our lives. And we praise you, Lord. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Okay. So <clears throat> before we get completely, completely into it. 
I just wanted to have a little another open floor thing to say what what makes like a good solid friendship like what makes it last oh how you're making me blush no no but what are some attributes or some things because I have a list on my phone I want my friends to be honest with me Seth what have you got similarities like similarities yeah to be similar to you anyone else got any more you want them to be funny you want them to be trust I heard trust any huh kind yep always there that oh oh always there that was a great point I had that too someone who complimentary yeah someone who can compliment you Okay, anyways, anyway, we're getting kind of off track. So I just want to, so studies show that actually having friends has so many benefits in your life. So it helps you, they encourage you to have healthy behaviors. So they can be emotional, emotionally supportive. They help you build confidence. They, it actually lessens the effects of stress on your life. So all around friendships are actually really important to have. They allow you to have a place where you feel safe, valued, heard, loved, supported, and so many other good things that we can just imagine. Like I just think of my friends and the friendships I'm in. I think I'm so blessed to have such amazing friends in my life. And I never want to take my friends for granted. I want to like honor them and love them because they walk through lots of hard seasons with me and I get to do the same for them, walk through those hard seasons with them. And so tonight I'm going to be um, talking to you. I'm going to give you three really encouraging friendship situations um, from the Bible. So we're going to firstly look at um, David and Jonathan, their friendship. We're going to talk about David and his wife, Michael. And then Jesus and Lazarus. So I'm just going to give you a little bit of um, a backstory about about David because we're going to talk about him two times. So there was a man named Jesse who had eight sons. That's that's a, that's a kind of a lot of sons, to be honest. That's that's a lot. That's like that's a football team, isn't it? No, just kidding. It's like a basketball team of sons with two subs. I'm pretty sure. But anyways, so. He had the youngest son named David, and David was obedient to his father, Jesse. He looked after his father's sheep. It says in Samuel 1, 17, um, 34 to 36, I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears. So David was pretty good at protecting um these sheep and we fast forward another little bit there was a battle between a philistine army and and the israelite army and some of david's brothers were a part of this army as well so he was faithful listening to his father jesse says hey david go can you go deliver your brother um some bread and cheese go go deliver it to them and another cut a long story short he was faithful in that he was faithful looking after the sheep and he said I can take on this giant any day like like get him to like come on come on Goliath come at me bro like because because I've got this yeah he he's he's like well I'll do it and people are like oh I don't know you're just like a little shepherd's boy like who are you they were they, they were basically talking down on him saying David who are you you've got no skills you've got no abilities and that's when he said I looked after this I don't know how many sheep were in his flock but I would imagine it's not just two or three I can imagine probably like a thousand sheep or like lots and lots of sheep and he noticed when the one was gone he noticed when a bear stole it or or a lion stole it he would go chasing after that club it to death what's a giant on him seriously what's a giant gonna do to him so he so David eventually takes on this giant he kills him with just a few stones a slingshot and God so he said 
I can do this. Like, I know God is on my side. I can do this. Um, the, there was victory. There was celebration because David had defeated this humongous giant. But very quickly, King Saul became super duper, super jealous of him. And he actually wanted David to be dead. So we're going to read some scripture tonight. Um, I think Larissa is going to pop it up on the screen. Um, it's found in 1 Samuel 19. And we're going to read verses 1 to 7. It's, and so the title of it says, Saul tries to kill David. Um, so Saul urged his servants and his son, Jonathan, to assassinate David. But Jonathan, because of his strong affection for David, told him what his father was planning. Tomorrow morning, he warned, you must find a hiding place out in the fields. I'll ask my father to go out there with me and I'll talk to him about you. Then I'll tell you everything I can find out. The next morning, Jonathan spoke, to, spoke with his father about David, saying so many good things about him. The, the king must not sin against his servant David, Jonathan said. He's never done anything to harm you. He's always helped you and in any way he could. Have you forgotten about the time he risked his life to kill the Philistine giant and how the Lord brought, had brought great victory to all Israel as a result? You, cer you were certainly happy about it then. Why should you murder an innocent man like David? There's no reason for it at all. So Saul listened to David and oh, Jonathan, sorry. Saul listened to Jonathan and vowed, as surely as the Lord lives, David will not be killed. Afterward, Jonathan called David and told him about what had happened. Then he brought David to Saul, but... David served in the court as before. But one day when Saul was sitting at home with a spear in hand, the tormenting spirit from the Lord suddenly came upon him. I think I'm too far. No, anyways. Anyway, so it said, oh, sorry. I'm, Saul hurled a spear at David, but David dodged out of the way and leaving the spear stuck in the wall, he, flee, he fled and escaped into the night. Now it says Jonathan had a strong affection for David. Like they were actually friends. Um, in other words, yeah, they were friends. It didn't matter that, you know, Jonathan's own father, who was the king, was saying, son, go and kill your friend David. He, he didn't let that get to him. In fact, he had his back, you know. And I don't know about you, but I want to have friends in my life and I want to see friends flourish and develop with them saying, I've got your back. It doesn't matter It doesn't matter what my parents are telling me. I've got your back, Esther. Like it doesn't matter what I'm being told, what, what lies I'm being fed. I've got your back. I'm your friend. And I don't know about you, but I'm so excited to see friendships being formed out of that saying, I've got your back, Shell. Like Shell, I'm in your life. I've got you. It doesn't matter what they're saying. I'm going to protect you. And that's exactly what Jonathan did with David. And I just think it's so beautiful because Jonathan was for David. He protected, um, like friends are meant to be in our lives. And, and I want to be friends with people who preserve and protect the call of God on my life. Like Jonathan was sent by his own father to go out and to kill this innocent man. But instead of obeying, he went against what he was told and protected David, fed him information so he could run from the king who was trying to kill him. And I don't, I don't want to be friends with people who are liars or who are trying to hunt me down and trying to get me killed. I want to be friends with people who are going to stick stick out the hard seasons with me, who are going to say, Claire, you can run in that direction, but it's not going to do you any good. You might even get killed on the way. And I want my friends to say, Claire, as long as I'm telling you the truth, you can live in that truth as well. So um, so that that's my first point. 
So God actually places divine friendships and relationships around us for us to lean into, to learn wisdom from, to preserve, protect, and encourage the call of God on your life. And we need to get around those people, those healthy, life-giving friendships. It says in Proverbs 17, verse 17, a friend loves at all times. Or you can look at it, a friend gives wisdom at all times. A friend loves you so much that they're gonna tell you the truth at all times. A friend loves you so much that they're gonna help you at all times. They don't just run away in the opposite direction because your life is hard. They don't, you know, gossip behind your back because it says a friend loves at all times. A friend loves at all times. So my second point, friends step into the danger zone with you. When Saul, so as a reward for David killing this giant, he um, got to marry one of King Saul's daughters and her name was is, is Michael. So we're going to read about um, this in 1 Samuel 19, verse 11 to 18, and it says this, Saul sent troops to watch David's house. Like, that's kind of creepy. That's like saying, oh, Chloe, you should just go and watch Seth's house and like see what he's doing. And like, if he's there, like you can kill him. Like, that's kind of, that's stalkerish. Like, I don't want any of you guys to come to my house because you were sent to my house to kill me. So, so it says, they were told to kill David when he came out the next morning. But Michael, David's wife, warned him, if you don't escape tonight, you will be dead by the morning. So she helped him climb out through the window and fled, and he fled and escaped. Then she took an idol and put it in his bed, covered it with blankets and a cushion of goat's hair at his head. When the troops came to arrest David, she told him he was sick and couldn't come out of bed. But Saul sent the troops back to David and he ordered, bring him to me, in this bed so I can kill him. But when they came to carry David, they discovered that it was only an idol in the bed with a cushion of goat's hair at its head. Why have you betrayed me like this and let my enemy escape, Saul demanded of Michael. I had to, Michael replied. He threatened to kill me if, he, if I didn't help him. So David escaped and went to Ramah to see Samuel. And he told him all that Saul had done for him. So Michael, who was David's wife, helped, again, helped David escaped to flee out of danger. So Michael wasn't just in this danger zone to be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna listen to my dad. I'm gonna listen to the king. Like, I think sometimes we can forget that it was actually a king. It wasn't just any other father. It wasn't just any other parent that maybe you don't see. It was actually the king that sent to have this, this innocent man killed. And Michael didn't let that affect her. She didn't say, oh, I should probably obey my father. I should probably obey my king. But I know you're an innocent man, David. I'm gonna get on your team. I'm on your side. I'm gonna walk in the danger zone with you. I'm gonna help you escape. I'm gonna help you flee from this danger. And that's the same with us. I don't know about you, but sometimes we have friends and maybe they don't know who God is. And you know, maybe their parents aren't exactly for like your walk with God. They don't, they don't know what happens in church. They don't know what happens as soon as you like walk in the building, you know. And maybe they say, to be honest, Claire, I don't really want you hanging around with my kid. Like, I don't know who God is. Like, I don't know what you're doing. And we need to be ready to be like Michael helping David to say, actually, friend, actually, Chloe, I'm going to help you. Even though your parents aren't for what I'm doing, I'm still going to come and invest time into you. I want to disciple you. And I think we can just think, oh, it's my parents. I've got to obey them. I've got to listen to them. But do you know what? I think there's wisdom. Um, no, I'm not saying disobey your parents. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is that if you know God has given you an ability to disciple someone, if God has said like, I want you to disciple this, this your friend. I want you to be in their life. I don't want you to just walk away because the world says, 
get out of their life, you know. I want you to say, you know, my faith comes from knowing what God's word is. I want, I want God to speak in your life and say, Darcy, like, you know, your friend's parents aren't for what you're doing, but it doesn't change who you are in God. It doesn't change your call. And if anything, it actually makes it stronger because when resistance comes, it means something good is happening in your life. You know, Pastor Josh Brett this morning was saying like, when the resistance comes, it means you're on the edge of the fruitfulness. And I don't know about you, but I want to step into that fruitfulness, whether there's resistance or not. And you know, the story goes on and on and, and David eventually becomes king. Imagine if he just, imagine if Michael turned on him. Imagine if Jonathan turned on him and they got him killed. Like what would have happened? There's no, there wouldn't be a testimony of David there. There wouldn't be a story of David, you know, defying everything and becoming king, you know, it just, it's, it's just crazy. And so I want to encourage you that um, just because, you know, your parents aren't for something. And I get so encouraged by even our pastor, Josh, when he was speaking a couple of weeks ago on um, God isn't, or maybe a few months ago, God isn't your grandfather. And it just reminds me that, you know, cool, my parents can have a faith and, you know, my parents can have opinions. My parents can have all these things, but do you know what? Faith, faith isn't just something we can inherit. We actually have to go after it ourselves. And so I just want to let you know that, you know, <laughs> It's good to have parents who are faithful and that serve in the house. But when we just lean into that and we just rely on that to get us through, we're just, we're just staying still, you know. And on the other scale, when we have parents who aren't faithful, who don't know God yet, when we can be praying for those things, we don't have to just go into what they're doing and be like, actually, parent, I agree. Because I want my parents to be full of wisdom and then I can listen to them when they have wisdom. You know, if they're just emptying out like just, you know, the, the last little crumbs in their bag of chips and saying, this is all you get. I don't want that. I want the full bag of chips, you know. I want them to be like, I'm so generous, I'm going to give. But on the other hand, if if one person's giving over there and the other's not, like, I, I know who I want to go to. I, I know who I want to be like. I don't want to be like my parents who don't, don't have a faith who are, you know, they say, mm, you go to church. Oh, they don't know anything about God. But if you have parents who do know God, like, listen to them, like, like lean in and get wisdom from that. So um, yeah, I was so encouraged by God's not your grandfather because if Jonathan and Michael listened to their father and, you know, said, oh, that's my inheritance. Their faith is my inheritance. What God's speaking to them is my inheritance. David wouldn't have journeyed through this, you know, challenging time and then eventually become king. So um, they were different. They, they, allowed themselves to seek God for themselves and and in that God anointed them and allowed them to be you know divine friends with integrity and truth and faith for David and we see so many like fake friendships these days you know that are full of just lies and just full of gossip and just full of you know things that are going to destroy your call the call of God on your life and I don't want you to be like like those people I want us to be strong like friends filled with faith um that, you know, that, you know, that are just like full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that even in here, in this room tonight, like we can um, allow God to develop friendships here, you know, and it doesn't mean you have to just, you know, say, oh, you know, Erica is my only friend. I never want to be friends with anybody else again. No, but I want God to actually move your heart in a little bit, in, in a little bit of time, we're actually going to be praying for people who, um, maybe don't know God yet and we're going to believe for that together. But anyways, um, it says, 
Anyways, so it says in um, Proverbs 13, verse 20, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. And I don't want to see friendships that are just walking in it, you know, being all harmful and, and being broken down by some little little stupid fight that doesn't even matter. I want to see friends who are wise that are walking together in wisdom. And I believe we can see that out of this room tonight as well, like lifelong friendships birthed and friendships that are going to actually last and be strong in faith. And it, it, it just encourages me so, so much that the people who we don't even think we're ever going to be friends with, they can sometimes end up becoming like best friends. So we can't put like, we can't put our own take on what God is doing in our life. We can't put our own ideas onto what God is doing in our life because we put limits on that. God doesn't, we, we don't allow God to move. And so I want to encourage you with that tonight. Um, and my third and final point tonight is we can see friendships come back to life. So we are going to read through this story of Jesus raising Lazarus back to life in John chapter 11, verse 1 to 14. And I think it's going to pop up on the screen in a second. It says this, A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume onto the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message for, to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is sick. But when Jesus heard about this, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the, the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. He finally said to the, his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But the disciples objected, Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you... Are you going there again? Jesus replied. There are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have light. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of there is danger of stumbling because there is no light. He said, so our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will get better soon. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is dead. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus has already been in the grave for four days. Mm. I'm going to just jump to verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd only been here earlier, my brother wouldn't have died. But now, but even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises on the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Anyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed that you are Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. And we're just going to fast forward again down a little bit more. So it says in verse, verse 38, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across it in the entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told him. But Martha, but Martha, the dead man's sister protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. Didn't I? The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that he, that you would see the glory of God if you believed? 
So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But as I said it out loud for the sake of these people standing here, so they will believe that you sent me. And Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes and his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told him, unwrap him and let him go. So I want to tell you, friendship isn't always easy. You know, it's challenging. It can be messy. It's not always glamorous. It's not always perfect. But I love the moment when Jesus raises his friend Lazarus back to life. Lazarus's sisters called for Jesus. They said, come, your friend is sick. And Jesus came and made him well. And it just gives me hope. And this story just empowers me so much because it reminds me that we have a generation who is dead. We actually have a community who is dead. We have schools who that are dead, you know, there's no, there's nothing spiritual in those places. It's dark and demonic and there's lies fed and there's nothing alive that's in those places. And it's so encouraging that even though Lazarus was dead for days, he still was brought back to life. And I don't know about you, but that gets me so excited. That gives me hope that, you know, things that are dead right now, maybe tomorrow they're not going to be because of Jesus touching them. Jesus saying, come alive, come alive. And so I believe that, you know, people, we've seen people come and go, you know, from churches all the time. We see people leave their walk with God because they think, oh, it's too hard or they, they come up with a million excuses. But, you know, there, there was once a fire there and I'm so excited to see these people return and their fire being ignited again because they have a, um, have a moment with Jesus. And so um, tonight, I, I don't know about you, but there's friendships even in my life that I've seen walk away from church or walk away from their their call of God and say it's too much I don't want to go and it might not be instantly either that we can see them those things be um raised back to life again like Lazarus was dead for four days before coming back to life but we as believers get to be persistent in our prayer life we get to be encouraged by faith and be believing that God will breathe life back into dead things again and so for us at One Youth, like us leaders, we're praying for you. Don't get me wrong. We're praying for your schools. We're believing with you. We, we it, If you text us any time of the day and say, Claire, pray for my next lesson because I'm going to tell someone about Jesus. Or Claire, pray for my teachers because I want to invite them to church next week. Or Claire, like you can text any of us and we want to pray for you because we want to believe that your schools can be brought back to life again. You know, that like, God can move in those places that will that are dead right now that you know God can still move in those places. And so I want to encourage you tonight like God is still working. Like the times that you've been praying, like the times that you've been believing for, the ones who you've spoken to, the ones who have even hurt you or doubted you or, or like that are broken, um the ones that are unsaved and messy, like God is still working. God is still healing, God is still moving, and God is still speaking and we can see them come back to life. If Jesus can bring Lazarus back to life, I believe he can bring you back to life too. He can bring your school back to life. He can bring your parents back to life. He can do it for the generation who are crying out. And that is us. Like our prayer for you is to see Holy Spirit filled friendships. Our prayer for you is to see wisdom filled friendships, you know, um, to see friendships that are, that are powerful, you know. I want to be like like Pastor Josh talked about last week, power couples being made. But I believe that we can see power power couple friendships 
being made as well, not just man and wife, but, you know, friend and friend. That is so powerful that it's like, where have you been? Like, how, how did I not know you before, you know? And I want to see friendships formed in the house of God, you know. I want to see friendships that are God-breathed. And tonight, I just want to allow us as a, you know, an act of faith um, tonight, I want us to do something a little bit more brave. And we have a whiteboard here, and I know it has stuff on it already, but for me, I know in my life, there's some people I want to see come back to life. And if Jesus can do it to Lazarus, I believe he can do it to these people in my life as well. And so tonight, I want us to just maybe actually call out some names. And it's not like a shame thing. It's not being like, oh, yeah, they need prayer. But, you know, people who you have genuine care for, like maybe Chloe actually might write for us. So I just want us to have a maybe even, she's going to write some names on this board for us. And we're just going to pray over those in a, in a moment as well. Um, so maybe you just need a little minute to kind of have a think about if there's someone in your life and, you know, we can write names on the board. We can write my brother, my sister, my my parents. But I want you to be brave and actually be believing tonight that we're going to see people who we never expected being raised to life again. And I want, even if you come forward and write, you know, it's an act of faith saying, God, like, I'm embarrassed to get up and write on this board right now, but I'm going to do it because I know that you're greater than my embarrassment. So that's great, Shell. If, if anyone else wants to, flock I can tell there's so much excitement to write on this board right now but if not great job guys you're gonna write like names or people who you want to like see like your friends that are not saved or your family that's not saved Okay, we're going to just do it for 30 more seconds and then we're just going to be texted. So,
So that's all great job, guys, for for um, writing names on that board. So maybe what we're going to do, I might just get you all to stand up, and we're just going to pray together tonight for all the names on this board. And I I think it's just wonderful that we have so many names on this board, and it shows that we actually care about our friends and we care about where they're going to spend their eternity. And so we are going to pray together tonight. So I encourage you to stand up and I'm not I'm not just going to pray just for the sake of praying, but I'm going to pray tonight and I want you to repeat this back to me. So it's like you're personally praying it as well. And sometimes it's a little bit hard and sometimes it's hard to pray if maybe you, you're new in your faith and you don't know how to pray, but this is why we wanna teach you these keys. So it's gonna be a simple prayer, but it's gonna be a powerful prayer. So let's be, let, repeat this after me. Jesus, I thank you for being my friend. I thank you for loving me and bringing me back to life. I thank you for saving me. God, right now we pray for our friends who don't know you. We pray for our families who don't know you. Just like Lazarus came back to life, we pray you're bringing us back to life. We pray you're bringing our friends back to life. And we pray you're bringing our families back to life. We pray that we can be loving and caring and God, we thank you for the gift of friendship. We pray and believe that we can be the great friends that our friends need in their life. Amen.